It was a beautiful day for a baseball game, and I love baseball games. And when you're outside and the sun is shining and everything is, is just perfect for a game, there's nothing better than to sit there and eat some peanuts and watch the action. And so I was sitting there out down the right field line in Williamsburg at, at a local high school up there ready to watch the game. My son was playing in the game at the time. I was eating peanuts. I was sitting next to my father-in-law. And it was one of those games that, uh, that just shows you how sometimes people just can't get it together. Sometimes players just can't get it. The balls that were being hit were going through people's legs. There were fly balls were getting dropped. It was a comedy of errors. Nobody was going to make the all-star team. It was just one of those games where nothing was sort of clicking. Nothing was happening. It's kind of like the, the Celtics the other night in their game. They just couldn't make a basket. So, so here we get down to the, to the last inning, and we are one run behind. Got to get this game tied up. At least so we can go. Maybe there's some hope in extra innings. And, uh, and the first guy comes up, and, and he's out. The second guy comes up, and he's out. The third batter is, is my son. He comes up, and he, he lines a single to center field. So hope springs eternal. There it is. Single. He's on, he's on first base, and he's really fast. And uh, he's not like his dad. He's really fast on the base paths. And, and so that's why I threw the shot put and didn't run the hurdles anymore when I was in high school. So first pitch comes in, bam, he steals second base. Second pitch comes in, bam, he steals third base. Next pitch comes in, we're just ready to, to watch this thing happen. It's all right there. It's all ready to happen. There's a moment sometimes that can change everything. Jesus said this, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Faith as small as a mustard seed. Move from here to there. And it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Bill Hybels has a drawing that he's taken all over the world. It's his here to there drawing. It's very simple. Uh, anybody can understand this drawing, and here's what it looks like. I just did this myself as a copy. Here, there. That's it. He goes, this is what leadership is. It's, it's meeting people where they are here and saying, we're going there. That's where we're going. But there's more to the story than that. And a few years back at a leadership summit, he told the story in great detail to where it's not just all about the hype. It's not just all about, you know, let's, let's have a wonderful, amazing future. It's about some really practical things. So when you peel off the layers and take a look at it, it has a depth to it that we all need to look at and understand. So take a look at this as Hybels explains it. This much I know about leadership. You must be able, if you're a leader, you must be able to stand in front of a group of three or 30 or 300 or 30,000, whatever number of people you lead. But you have to be able to say, gang, we are here, current reality, but someday by God's grace, if we link arms, if we focus and sacrifice, if we work and persevere, 
we are going to wind up there. This preferred future. And we will all love life when we get there. The world will be a better place. Our organization will be stronger. Our church will be more like Acts chapter 2 churches. But I was writing in my journal that day, and I said, this much I know. Leaders move people from here to there. Now, the advanced among us right now are saying, Bill, you're just talking about the vision thing. You're just talking about the need to stand in front of people and paint a picture of the future that produces passion in people. You do that and off you go, right? How tough is that? In recent years, I've learned it's a little tougher than I really thought it was over the years. In fact, I used to think that the very first step in moving people from here to there was simply describing how wonderful life would be if we were all there. I would cast as hot a vision as I could about what being there would look like, taste like, feel like, smell like. I'd walk off this very stage, if it went well, spike my Bible over there. <laughs> Expect the board and the staff to carry me on their shoulders out in the parking lot. But then, almost every time, within 24 hours, of the best vision casting I could do, I would get an alarming number of emails from good people, good people, who would say in so many words, hey Bill, we like it here. <laughs> there, schmear. We're not gonna budge, it's familiar here, it's safe here, we're used to it here. We're staying here. Now, has that ever happened to anybody other than me? Okay, well, what do you do when people say, I'm staying here? Well, I do what most of us do. I crank up the heat of the vision another 500 degrees. I stand up the following week and say, hey, you know, last week I said that life would be wonderful when we get there. Uh, I undersold it. It's going to be fantastic when we get there. Paradise, bliss on a stick when we get there. And then the next day the emails would roll in. Nope, we're staying here. I've learned something in the last 18 to 24 months about, about moving people from here to there. The first play is not to make there sound wonderful. The first play is to make here sound awful. <laughs> now take a deep breath. This is really profound. And so that's, that's the truth about here to there. It's not just about some amazing place they're all going together. It's getting an understanding framed in reality of why we can't stay here. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Even Jesus is really saying here between the lines, you don't want to stay where you are. You know, you know where it is that you're going. You've got to make a decision about where you are before you can decide you're going to go there to where you 
where you want to be. And everyone has a mountain. What's your mountain look like? If I said, draw a blank line, write it in. What's your mountain look like? You could probably write it in right now. Nelson Mandela put it this way. After climbing with much difficulty a great hill, one only finds that there are many more hills to climb. Climbing with, with great difficulty, this great hill, and then you see there are more hills that you have to climb up. Anne Lamott, in her book Stitches, a handbook on meaning, hope, and repair, put it this way. I wish there were shortcuts to wisdom and self-knowledge, cuter abysses, or three-day spa wilderness experiences. Sadly, it doesn't work that way. You remember the movie Everest? There was a guy from Texas. His name was Beck. His wife, he called her Peaches. And uh, I think he told her he was just going to 7-Eleven, and then he called her from Everest and said, hey, Peaches, I'm at Everest and I'm going to climb it. She's like, oh, Beck, don't do that. Why'd you do that? You were just going to go down and, and go to 7-Eleven and come right home. He says, oh, it's going to be okay, honey. And then he calls her back a while later and he says, I'm still here. We're trying to make it. And, uh, and she goes, oh, the kids. Well, you have to think about the kids back. He says, okay, it's okay, Peaches, it's okay. And then later in the movie, you see Beck and he's like, he's frozen in the snow. He's just sort of laying there. He, he ultimately survives and it's a true story. But he's like, just frozen. They zoom in on him, and he's like frozen. And that's like a parable. If you don't listen to your wife sooner or later, <laughs> you just you end up frozen. And all husbands should know this, but somehow we don't. And we're always saying, hey, we're going to 7-Eleven, and then you end up at Machu Picchu or someplace that you shouldn't be. You see, mountains are daunting. Mountains bring unique challenges. Mountains do not make life easier. Mountains birth creative effort. Mountains call for a team effort. Mountains are always a here to their experience. Mountains lift our eyes to where God meets us and says, now show me your faith. Someone once put it this way, with God, a mountain is only a road waiting to happen. Mountains lift our eyes to where God meets us and says, now show me your faith. Everyone has a mountain. What's your mountain look like? A long time ago, there was a, a guy named Nehemiah, and he had a mountain, and his mountain looked like a wall that was really broken down. It's a great, it's a great story. I love the book of Nehemiah. And I'm going to give you two verses that pretty much tell the story of the book of Nehemiah. The first verse is Nehemiah 6, 15. So the wall was completed in 52 days. The wall was completed in 52 days. Now what you have to know about that wall was it was about 2.5 miles around. It was about 12 feet high, and the average thickness was over 8 feet. Nebuchadnezzar has started the destruction of the walls of Jerusalem about over 100 years before this time. It was a mountain of epic proportions for the Jews to face. But when Nehemiah said he was going to take them from here to there, working together in a massive reconstruction effort, they got the job done in 52 days. And I put it this way in these brief words. It's not the size of the mountain. 
It's the clarity of the faith of many that brings the mountain down. 2.5 miles around, 12 feet high, average thickness over 8 feet. Let me give you the backstory of this, this mountain, this wall that had to be rebuilt that was just, it was just a, an amazing reconstruction effort. You know, it's just, it, it's mind-boggling. And it's, it's all in Nehemiah. Here's the other verse, Nehemiah 4, verse 6. We kept at it. And, and when I look at that word, we, I just see it as a big word. We kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height. So they're at the halfway point. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. Because the people had a heart for the work. That's the key to everything. It's the key to to what's going on here with Nehemiah. It's the key to almost every human endeavor, having a heart to do something as a team. In his book, Put Your Dream to the Test, John Maxwell comments about teams. He said, some people have a dream, but no team. Their dream is impossible. Some people have a dream, but a bad team. Their dream is a nightmare. Some people have a dream and are building a team. Their dream has potential. Some people have a dream and a great team. Their dream is inevitable. 24 years ago, and this is our 24th anniversary Sunday, 24 years ago, we didn't have the physical size to take on the mountain God gave us, but together we had the clarity of faith to move the mountain. And we had that based upon three concepts that we we all held very dear to our hearts, and we held these together. The first concept was be creative with the greatest message in the world. Be creative with the greatest message in the world that God was in Christ bringing the world back to himself, that God showed up in the person of Jesus Christ, and there's, there's story upon story and prophecy upon prophecy, and the stories of the Old Testament all sort of lead up to this moment of Bethlehem. And then you have the, the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. This is, this is an amazing story, and we want to get that out in as creative a way as possible because, and this has been used oftentimes in many ministries, it's a sin to bore people with the gospel. It's a sin to, to paint Jesus only with black and white and gray. It's a sin to not show people the grandeur of God and the magnificence of God and, and the vivid, uncompromising love of God in ways that really break through their realities, that allow them to break free from things that are holding them, them back to experiencing life to the full. John 10, 10, life to the full. So we said we want to do this in a way that allows people to see in a big way this, this God who loves them so much. Be creative with the greatest message in the world. The second thing that we held really dear to our hearts was and I heard this for the very first time out at Willow Creek in the early days. If you ever want to be a big church, when you're small, you have to start acting big. 
and we were small. The very first Sunday, 24 years ago, about 90 adults were in the auditorium. About 50 kids were out in the, uh, in the atrium area, the Contemporary Art Center down on 22nd Street. And, uh, and it was all just there, there it was. So you have, you have a small church happening, but right from the beginning, we were thinking, how can we get this done right? How can we think like a big church? And if we had a, a challenge, we all put our brain power on it and our prayer power on it and our resources on it. And we, we, just, we just focused on what does it mean to grapple with challenges without resources? How can we look for God to provide resources? And things just started to happen. Being creative with the transmission of the greatest message in the world thinking like a big church, even though we were a small church. And then there was one more thing, one more thing. Doing whatever it takes. Everybody decided that we were willing to do whatever it takes to get church done, to get from Sunday to Sunday, to make life change happen, to bring faith and life together all the time. And this reminds me of a, a picture I I have up in my office. Uh, the other picture that, that Hybels has taken all over the world besides the, the here to there thing is this picture here. And, and you have to look at it closely to understand it, so let's zoom in. So he, he tries to describe the continuum of what it takes to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and you start out as an explorer, you want to explore faith, you have this idea that maybe there's something, maybe there is a God, I don't know, I have questions, so you're on, you're on that side of the cross with your questions, your struggles, your concerns, and then you come to a point where you give your life to him. You just give it to him. And so now, because of who Christ is and what he did for you, uh, you invite him into your heart, you begin this whole new life, so you start out as a new believer on the other side of the cross. And new believers, they're just, they're just wild and crazy all the time. And you do things, you don't even know why you do things. And you don't know a lot about the Bible, but you're studying it. I remember when I first started to study the Bible, I had never really cracked it open before. And I was a new Christian, and I was so excited about it. I used to drive around, and I had a 1970 white AMC Hornet. Uh, I almost bought the Gremlin, but I didn't. I bought the Hornet, and uh, I used to put Bibles on the dashboard. Good news for modern man. Some of you remember those paperbacks. Have them on the dashboard, and I would look for hitchhikers to pick up, because once I got the hitchhiker in the car, I had a captive audience. And I was going to tell this person about Jesus Christ, and they weren't going to leave my car without getting a Bible. And that's what, you're so excited when you're a new believer, and you're going in 10 different directions at the same time. You don't know which one's right, but you know you're going somewhere. Then you become, after a period of time, what Hybels calls a friend of God. And a friend of God is, is wanting to be involved in, in things that God wants them to do, but there's, there's always almost a, a reciprocal relationship that you feel has to happen between you and God. It's you know you have needs, and, and you know that God needs to meet your needs, and so you're a friend of God but you, you also want God to kind of help you get through your life. And a lot of your prayers are kind of like that. And it's a stage that we all go through. That, you know, God, I want to be here to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. But today I could really use this. And, and so you're a friend of God and you're starting to, to develop that. And, and you get to a point and you can see where he got 
really animated on the other side, a friend of God. He's got a lot of points that he was making with the marker. And you see the, the number 4K up there because about 20% of his congregation at that time were what he called do whatever it takes followers of Christ or do whatever it takes Christians. And these people are what the church builds the future on. These people are, are what the church counts on. You can't have church the way Jesus Christ talked about the church where he said, I will build my church unless you have do whatever it takes people. And at the very beginning of our life as a church, almost everybody at Spring Branch was a do whatever it takes person. It was like we were breathing that in and out. It was driving us and God was building something different and unique and, and he wanted to do something with Spring Branch that he was calling upon us to get done. And, and this is why I wrote these words in my paper, Reality is Expensive, and there's more copies out there today at the Connection Center because we ran out last week if you want to get a copy. You are a mature Christian. Or you can say, do whatever it takes, Christian. You are a mature Christian when you realize the future is what you and God create together. Think Noah. Think Esther. Think, think Mary. Think Paul. God is always speaking into our lives, saying, do you want to do this together? Do you want to build the future together? And so here we are on this 24th anniversary, launching into the 25th year. And I want to talk to you about being here to there followers of Christ, being whatever it takes followers of Christ, being mountain-moving kind of people, understanding that it's that clarity of faith that changes everything. So our here to there is going to be encapsulated in two lines, and they're very, very simple. If you hear them, if you hear this once, I think you're going to get it. If you hear it twice, I think you're going to remember it forever and ever. If you, if you say it one time, I think it's going to stick to your heart and to your soul. This is what I believe with all my heart our here to there is all about. Because it'd be easy to go, it's a project, it's a new ministry. Those things are, are, are outgrowths of what I'm going to share with you right now. Our here to there is everyone connected to ministry and mission. Everyone looking like Jesus. Everyone connected to ministry and mission. That is not a suggestion, that's a reality. Everyone connected to ministry and mission. And basically, that's where we started as a church. And everyone connected means this. You thinking about how you are connected. You thinking about where is the connection that I have in ministry? Where is the connection that I have in mission? And if you know that right now, that's great because you're right there and, and you can start to, to plug in and accelerate. And if you don't know that right now, I want you to know that this is the here to there. Everyone connected to ministry and mission. Everyone looking like Jesus. This is the overarching vision. This is the, the, the burning passion. This, it can't be anything other than this. There will always be ministry projects and ministry goals, and we'll have those, and we have had those. There will always be mission opportunities allowing us to change people's lives and change the world. But if you ask anybody at Spring Branch, from this day forward, what we are all about, 
anybody should be able to say, everyone connected to ministry and mission, everyone looking like Jesus. Clyde, would you put that up, please? Everyone connected to ministry and mission, everyone looking like Jesus. Just say that with me one time. It'll make me feel better, okay? Everyone connected to ministry and mission, everyone looking like Jesus. Let me give you an example. Acts chapter 1 from the message. When they, were go- when they were together for the last time, they asked Master Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? In other words, is this it? Is this the time? Are we done? Is this the time? He told them, you don't get to know the time. You don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea, and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. This is everybody connected to ministry and mission. Jerusalem is right where we live. Judea and Samaria, these are outlying areas but still we can, we can drive there. It's not that far to have to go. We can walk there, even to the ends of the world. That's, that's mission. That's where, God, do you want us to go out and change something and make something look like your kingdom and draw people to your son, Jesus Christ. Let's take it a step further, Acts chapter 4. And people love to quote Acts chapter 4, and I love to read this, and every time I read this, I am overwhelmed with this early church, but look at what it was all about and feel what it was all about. All the believers were one in heart and mind. It's the same theme that came from from Nehemiah, that fourth chapter, that verse, where they all had that one heart to get the work done. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the defining moment of Christianity. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That's the kind of community this was. That's the early church. And then they give you a little example. A guy named Joseph. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. All the believers were one in heart and mind. And everything grows out of that. And so it makes me think of these three words. Followership, fellowship, ownership. Followership. We know we are following Jesus Christ. And our lives are are anchored in a resurrection. Our, Our lives are anchored in a promise of eternal life. By grace, you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God. Fellowship, we're all connected together. And and, and that doesn't mean we all have perfect lives and perfect relationships all the time, but it means we we are one in heart 
and mine together. And ownership means we will do whatever it takes. And an early church that was willing to do whatever it takes, an early church that was connected in one heart and one mind, an early church that followed Jesus Christ with a passion, started something that changed everything. Everyone connected in ministry and mission. Let me tell you about what it means to look like Jesus. Um, a number of years ago, I started this thing called Laser Christian University. It was when life was kind of moving fast and, and things were moving along. It was even before the internet was happening. But I just felt like, you know, I got to get a school together where I can get people through school in five minutes because the world is changing too fast. So Laser Christian University is going to get you through to a college degree, a university degree in five minutes because here's the basic foundation. And I, I stole this idea from Saturday Night Live, so it's not my own personal idea. But uh, it's going to get you a, 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 a full university degree in five minutes because studies have shown that after five years getting out of college, after five years, you only remember five minutes worth of stuff anyway. So my, my philosophy is I'm just going to teach you the five minutes that you're going to remember to save a lot of time, energy, and money and, uh, and then you'll have this, this degree. So in Laser Christian University, uh, the first course is business. Here's what you're going to remember five years from now. So here's all you need to know. Business. You buy something and you sell it for more. That's it. That's Amazon.com. That's, that's everything there is. That's just you buy something and sell it for more. If you buy something and you sell it for less, you go out of business. So that's, that's it. If you get an MBA, you don't know more than that, really. International studies. You have to know another language. One of the easiest languages to learn and know, and one of the most you know, available languages to speak around the world other than English is Spanish. So here's what I'm going to teach you. Como esta usted? That's all you have to know. How are you? Everything else you forget anyway. So now you've got, you've got international studies down. Como esta usted? You've got business. You buy something, you sell for more. History. I'm just going to give you a digital subscription to Time Magazine. That's all you really have to pay. $19.95. That's your whole thing. And I'm going to give you a spring break, which is a glass of orange juice. I pay for that myself. Spring break, glass of orange juice just reminds you of being warm in a warm climate. But there's a Bible there's a Bible class that you have to take to get out of Laser Christian University because it's Christian. And this verse is astounding in its scope and its possibilities. 1 John 2, 6. You're going to memorize this verse. You're going to know this is going to drive the edge of your life. 1 John 2, 6. The one who says he abides in him ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. Or in the message it says it this way. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. Everyone looking like Jesus, everyone focusing on him, knowing what he said, knowing what he taught, knowing how he acted, knowing how he sort of turned the systems upside down, knowing how he always called everybody to the truth. And nobody's going to do this perfectly. Believe me, I know I don't do this perfectly either. But by focusing on him, as, as the writer of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, by staying focused on him, we will become more and more like him. We'll start thinking the way he thinks instead of thinking the way we think. We'll start doing the things that he wants us to do instead of saying, well, I don't feel like it. This is here to there. This is here to there for Spring Branch. This is here to there for all of us together. It is everyone connected in ministry and mission. Everyone looking like Jesus. Here to there is always a we effort 
It's always we. Here to there is always a heart movement. It's always our hearts knit together and moving as one. Here there is always each and every one of us deciding to create the future with God. It's not the size of the mountain. It's the clarity of the faith of many that brings the mountain down. Mountains are daunting. Mountains bring unique challenges. Mountains do not make life easier. Mountains birth creative effort. Mountains call for a team effort. Mountains are here to their experiences. Mountains lift our eyes to where God meets us and says, now show me your faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Everyone has a mountain. What's your mountain look like? And I told you earlier, you can draw the blank. You can fill it in. And, and you probably know what it is that goes in the blank. But we have a mountain. And God is saying, spring branch. You can say to that mountain, move. And it will move. And there's lots of pieces to that mountain and lots of layers and perspectives on that mountain to expand ministry, to expand it locally in a way that right now is just a dream and a hope. I'll talk to you about what it means to expand in terms of ministries within the church and, and missions that we have opportunities to do. And we can do so much. I'm going to talk to you about what it means to pull together and pay off these buildings so that we don't have debt on the buildings that will hold us back from doing ministry and mission in the future. And it all comes down to, do we really have one heart and one mind? Do we really know that in this moment, in a single moment, we can change everything? Everything. My son hits the ball up the middle. It's a, it's a base hit. The hope is there. The tying run is on base. Travis is on first. And the guy that's up, his mountain, and his mountain the entire season is trying to hit the ball. He just doesn't ever hit the ball. And so now we've got this big mountain, and he's got to hit the ball. We've got the big mountain that there's one run that's got to cross the plate, tie the game, give us hope in extra innings. So the first pitch comes in. Strike one. Travis steals second base because he's fast, and I'm not. He takes after his mother, because she goes in a grocery store. She's out, and I haven't even gotten past the cereal, and she is back in the car. Um, so second pitch comes in, strike two, bam, he steals third base. He's standing on third base, tying run, 90 feet from home base. We're going we're gonna to go into extra innings. I just, I just know it. I just know this is going to happen. Pitcher looks in hard. Pitcher winds up. Pitcher throws it. Strike three. Game is over. Game is over. You know, I'm out of breath. Travis walks across the field from third base. I walk onto the diamond. We meet right about the pitcher's mound. And he says this. Dad, how much did we lose by? I said, how much did you lose by? You lost by one run. You were the tying run. And what, what overwhelms me is that I'm looking at somebody who's in the game. He has on a uniform. 
You know, he's got spikes. He's got, you know, red and white on a hat. You know, and, and, and he doesn't know that his next move changes everything. It just changes it all. And so I imagine in my mind that that, that pitcher winds up for the third pitch. And all of a sudden, Travis takes off for home. And, and people start to, to stand up and look. And old men watching the game just hold their, their hand against their heart like they can't believe what they're seeing. Mothers stop fussing with their babies and they just look at what's happening. Little children playing in the dirt just stop for a second. They see this streak of red, white, and silver just running towards home base. There's a slide. There's a thump of a ball and a glove. And there's a cloud of dust. And I don't know if the umpire is going to go, safe, or if the umpire is going to go, out. I don't know. But I know this one thing. It's going to be one heck of a finish to a baseball game. And each and every one of us, we're always on third base. God is always saying, if you want to do something, you can do it. If you want to make it happen, you can make it happen. But you have to be of one heart and one mind. And you have to see what I see. You have to want to do what I want to do for the world. You have to have my passion and my heartbeat and my love and my grace functioning at a maximum level all the time. But most of all, you have to be willing to go from here to there. And going from here to there is everybody connected in ministry and mission. Everybody looking like Jesus. Happy anniversary, Spring Branch. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so humbled to stand here today just looking at what you've done with a bunch of people who said, God will do whatever it takes. Father, help us to, to have that heartbeat always. Help us to be men and women who want to be fully connected in ministry mission. Help us to be men and women who want to look like Jesus. Teach us about followership. Teach us about fellowship. Teach us about ownership. Father, do something great in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name.